Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well, doing good. well. Good. But we have to talk about stuff that uh, doesn't make me happy. Not make, pleasant, make, no. Makes me, you know, I try to avoid the position of anger. I don't think you accomplish a whole lot. But sometimes I really get upset. <laughs> <laughs> you, then you don't want to talk to him at all. <laughs> but this, this is coming pretty close to being so angry I don't even want to talk about it. But it, it represents something that's going on in our society uh, worse than ever and has to do with, uh, you know, the immorality of the country, uh, the total neglect for constitutional law. Uh, I believe uh, the country is being invaded by nihilists yeah. and uh, there's no right and wrong and, uh, and things are coming apart. But uh, I've complained a lot over the years, especially during the COVID epidemic, that uh, they're ruining the medical system. But that's been on its way a long time ago because even when I started medicine in 1961, you know, I didn't join the AMA because I suspected that was organized medicine. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's gotten worse. The medical system has gone to the dogs in many ways. And yet I also know a lot of doctors that do good work. Yeah. And uh, there are certain areas of it that is, uh, that is very, very well controlled. But there's a certain areas when it gets involved in politics, closer you get to the government running things and uh, di in direction, like the epidemic. Yeah. yeah they, that wasn't, you know, true practice of, of, of medicine. It, it was something controlled by bureaucrats and people who, who uh, pretended to be doctors and uh, they, they pretended to be scientists. And we had a real mess and we're still suffering from it. But the subject I would like to visit with you on is today is this uh, thing that went on at Vanderbilt. Yeah. It's been in the news. Uh, we've uh, talked about it among ourselves. And I thought, oh, this is so ugly. Yeah. This is so ugly that uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, but uh, they're probably like me. They like to close out. and like, This is so bad. I don't even want to have to deal with it. But it is a, uh, an example of the end stage of a country that is financially and morally bankrupt. And uh, this is the kind of thing that happened. The headline at Zero Hedge uh, on Wednesday was Vanderbilt Pediatric Transgender Clinic nukes website after Matt Walsh exposes big moneymaker motive. And this is where the real tragedy comes in. And that is uh, uh, gender changes done by doctors on teenagers with, with brainwashing the kids, not telling the parents. And one of the goals, uh, the evidence that Matt has dug up, is it's a, just a moneymaker. Yeah. Oh yeah, well this is, if you want to really have some income, uh, start doing this uh, uh, genderism operation. And then, then you find out they're little kids. Yeah. And uh, of course, to me, that's equivalent to a lot of different things, but it's pretty darn evil. There's not a whole lot of other things going on in our country that can't be more driven by evil than this type of an operation. Yeah, and let's get right to it because Matt Walsh, you know, he's a conservative journalist and filmmaker, kind of a gadfly, but he really gets some credit for this uh, great reporting. He said, breaking, my team and I have been investigating the transgender clinic at Vanderbilt here in Nashville. Vanderbilt drugs, chemically castrates, and performs double mastectomies on minors, but it gets worse. 
here's what we found. Let's start from the beginning. Now click that next one. Uh, he says, Vanderbilt opened its trans clinic in 2018. During a lecture the same year, Dr. Shane Taylor explained how she convinced Nashville to get into the gender transition game. She emphasized that it's a, quote, big moneymaker, especially because the surgeries require a lot of follow-ups. <laughs> and we actually have, I think, 38 seconds of this presentation in her own words where she's talking about what a great moneymaker it is and that insurance companies are forced to pay for it. Let's listen in. Starting in January 1st of 2017, uh, according to the Affordable Care Act, insurance cover carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in, 20, in August of 20, sorry, October of 2016, starting a couple of years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Um, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000. Kids as young as 13, Dr. Paul, it's yeah. butchery. It's butchery for profit. You know, we've had a lot of laws on the books. From the very beginning of time, I'm impressed as I uh, go back and I'm sort of attracted to how did it all start? You know, how did civilization start? And where were the first laws all the way back before Hammurabi? You know, they recognized property ownership, they recognized uh, contracts, and they recognized violence and killing. You know, and that's way back. Yeah. And uh, so the, the, the issue's been around a long time. Uh, the issue of murder has been accepted as a vicious, vicious crime. And, uh, but there are, there are other that are pretty bad. You come up with uh, rape. How can it get much worse yeah, than that? Well, yeah. I guess murder is one step worse. What, what about kidnapping? That, you know, just think of the parents have to go through a kidnapping of a child. Oh, yeah. That has to be horrendous. But uh, how about this uh, radical transgenderism and this yeah. forced surgery on 13 year olds and youngers and giving hormones to these kids? Yeah. You know, it, it uh, you know, as bad as all these other things, this is closely uh, coming, uh, you know, in competition with these horrors. Yeah. It is, a, it, it is a horror story, and uh, it, it's just so sad. And uh, it happens. I think uh, the government's involved very much. They're involved uh, in a lot of the medical procedures. There's money, like you already pointed out. You know that that the the money, the, the uh, insurance companies are forced to do this. This is why third party payments and third and government involvement. Uh, what is another example of the fallacy of government being involved? Yeah, they were really good at handling the epidemic of, yeah. uh, of COVID. So it goes on and on. So and where, where would you get where would you get people who work hard, save money and invest their money and they're put their money into uh, an honest, productive effort? Uh, do you think they'd put money into this? Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's all done because the money is indirectly controlled. So they force these insurance companies to pay for it. Then the insurance companies get into trouble. Then they get a bailout. Yeah. And if it's a drug company, they get their bailout. So it's it's really corrupt. The the system is corrupt, and uh, 
the only thing I uh, I'm just sympathetic to you you don't want to drag every single person into it because uh, you know over the years I met a lot of a lot of good doctors but once again it's neglect and they don't understand or care and all of a sudden the government gets ahead and that that is uh, that is our biggest threat is the undermining of the prevention uh, you know uh, they know what to do. What did they do here? They immediately took that website down, yeah. you know, off their website. A little bit too little too late, yeah. though, but it, at least there was a reaction. Yeah, and I think it's really important that you do make the connection between this and COVID because in this, she's bragging, hey, we're going to make 40K on each one of these surgeries, just a top surgery. This is going to be great. Well, remember back during COVID, they, the hospitals got a bonus that they put people on vents, so they put a lot of people on vents. If they killed them, they'd get even more money, so they killed a lot of them, so... You see a lot of this happening. But the other thing that's interesting about what Matt Walsh uncovered is the viciousness against people who objected. And let's put this next clip on. This is the next um, tweet in the series of tweets that he said. Vanderbilt was apparently concerned that not all of its staff would be on board. Dr. Ellen Clayton warned that, quote, conscientious objections are, quote, problematic. Anyone who decides not to be involved in transition surgeries due to, quote, religious beliefs, will face, quote, consequences. Very, very terrifying. You know, it's okay to bring up the religious thing, but that should be an academic thing because not everybody has the religion they're endorsing. And if you can object that way, that's a, but the principle is liberty. Yeah. You know, you want to defend the liberty that protects the church and religious beliefs, but you also want to protect, you know, children age 13 being mutilated by people who want to make a buck with taxpayers' money. Yeah. So uh, I, I just don't think that that is the justification, but I don't object to it because they did use this, uh, you know, for COVID and yeah. taking shots and all, and they are making a point, but I always want to make the bigger point. The principle is that neither one should be handicapped, that uh, both sides of this argument yeah, even should if you're be, not have a, a right to speak out. But that is, once again, is attack on the First Amendment. And uh, I've said so many times that if we lose it, and we are desperately coming close to losing it, that if we can't speak out freely without intimidation and loss of income and loss of jobs and all, you know, our job is about 10 times worse, if not more. And that's, that's what we, we are facing, except we're in the business of trying to wake people up in a proper way to what's going on. And uh, we, we do see signs of it. In a way, this, this was a quick waking up by the, uh, uh, the people at Vanderbilt. Yeah, but that's late. But it happened. They finally, Matt did this tremendous job on yeah. this, you know, the, to do this. So alerting people to what's happening. I still believe in the good instincts of people, but I also believe in the, uh, the, the dominating uh, efforts by governments, usually using force yeah. and, and not promoting liberty, pretending. They constantly, you see, I agree to no M. the further you are away from the Constitution, the more they preach how, well, every, boy, you, you know, those conservatives, they, they don't follow the Constitution at all, and they, they come up with all these things, and they're the ones who have promote, promoted all this wokeism yeah. and that medical care system, and the ones who who promote this transgenderism, yeah. you know, and saying it's all, well, it's, 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 it's a we who are defending the right of people to go through transgenderism and the other people who object they surely can pay for it all yeah pay for it all 
Well, obviously, you know, people that are of age can do whatever they want. They can dress like a Eskimo or a giraffe if <laughs> right. they want to. But this is, we're talking about kids. And here's, here's a little bit more. I think there's a couple more uh, tweets from this series that Matt Walsh did. He said, in case the objectors hadn't got the memo, Vanderbilt unveiled a program called Trans Buddies. The buddies are trans activists from the community who attend appointments with trans patients, monitoring the doctors to guard against unsafe behavior, such as misgendering. Basically, these are the Stasi types who will go along and make sure that nobody tells these kids, hey, you might want to wait, you might want to double think this because you're going to do something that can't be reversed. No, you're going to have this thug in that picture and people like whatever it is, uh, reporting them to the authorities. Isn't that similar to the principle they take that, uh, you know, once they decide that we have to be careful that nobody tells the truth on the Internet, you have people protecting you, have, have you know, finding the information, co cooperating with the FBI and closing them down just because they do want legitimate competition and speech, that you have to monitor them. They always have to. Big government is authoritarian, and it just breeds more and more government, more authoritarianism, more violence. And I think what we're witnessing now is uh, this is uh, coming to, to some type of a conclusion. And of course, we're on the side of uh, having liberty prevent the problems from coming. And uh, I still believe there's a lot of people out there that want that. But I tell you what, it, it's getting tough. And I do think, you know, the Marxists uh, definitely work on chaos and they think they can rebuild it and to be a better Marxist system than the Soviet Union yeah. did. Oh, yeah, Good sure. Luck. They're going to they're, they're going to do that. But I, I think there will be chaos. But I also think that we ought to look to the opportunity. Take, for instance, uh, uh, you know, homeschooling hasn't died. Yeah. No. Homeschooling is still there. There's private schooling. And I'll bet there's been a boost in attitude about public school system. And we should call them government school system because look at what's happened. Yeah. Well, here's the last couple of tweets. We didn't do all the tweets, and I encourage people who are on Twitter to have a look at all of them. But let's look at these are a couple of concluding tweets from uh, Matt Walsh. So let's review. Vanderbilt got into the gender transition game, admittedly in large part because it is very financially profitable. Then they threatened any staff members who objected and, list, and enlisted a gang of trans activists to act as surveillance in order to force compliance. They now castrate, sterilize, and mutilate minors as well as adults while apparently taking steps to hide this activity from the public view. This is what healthcare has become in modern America. Boy, that, 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 is, so tr that, that is so true. And... Uh, of course, uh, on the more bright side, there are more and more people now questioning it, yeah. you know, uh, of what it is. But, you know, the, the large number of people aren't going to be intense on this. And that's why I think exposure to these and, and trying to keep people out of government that promotes these ideas with, with a gun. Uh, and it's also prompts me to move in the direction of saying, well, to get people in there and get them to pass the right laws and also clean up the FBI and the CIA, that's, that's not going to happen. You still have to change the attitudes of the people and uh, that will 
that will happen, but it's going to involve everybody uh, trying to do their part. And every day I read or get a message from some new person just came onto the scene, has started their own little program. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of effort being made there, and I'm sure they're feeling very frustrated in getting that message out, but would be in agreement. But then, uh, so I think Matt, Matt did us a big favor on yeah, yeah. bringing this up and waking up people. Because I, I think I read one blog that said, who should be surprised? Yeah. You know, this this is the way that this is the way we've been going. So it's uh, it, it's something that uh, is going to be around for a while. Like I started the program off with uh, this whole principle of murder and violence. Uh, you know, it, it was there in into law trying to recognize you know the uh, the the more uh, principled higher law, which is the nonviolent uh, system, and uh, and yet. The, the people who don't believe, they, see, they don't have any, any consciences of this because they do follow this nihilistic belief. Well, why worry about the right and wrong? You can't know that. You and I go, we will argue forever about it. So there is no such thing. There's no objective evidence that m murder is always, you know, a bad thing to do. Yeah. You know, they, they, can't, they can't come at it. And yet, way back, thousands of years ago, they recognized property and trade and money very early on in history. So that it, the, the system has been around a long time, and I'm sure it's had its up and, ups and downs. And right now, we're uh, on, on the surface, things are very, very bad. But I'm saying, underneath, uh, there's an ember in there that's burning, just waiting to burst out and say, we're sick of it all. We want a whole lot less government. We want to trust the people because they have come to the point where they believe they have a responsibility to take care of themselves. You know, it's generally accepted in society that teenagers are not capable of sufficiently exercising judgment to take a cigarette or to take a drink of alcohol. Yet somehow these very same teenagers are viewed as having sufficient judgment to, to take life-changing mutilation of their bodies, which cannot be undone. There's something really wrong with this equation, I think. Well, you know, if you go one step back, because you do, as, as you try to dissect it out, it becomes more of a moral issue. And then uh, you may come out, where, where, where would a child get those, uh, get that information? Well, the most important uh, place that they get it uh, would be a home. Yeah. you know parents and one of the worst places right now is in the schools yeah. you know or whatever the government tells us but uh they uh, uh they they the problem is is how many homes right now uh you know are are mixed up you know uh, that don't but that doesn't mean that people who happen to live in a household where they don't have uh, you know uh, a good set of parents that's giving them good information that uh, I know a lot of stories of people who have suffered a lot from bad circumstances, raised in the slums, and and how many very rich people today, you know, came out of the slums without a family, which means you can do it on your own, but we also have to realize that with large numbers, uh, these these kids are going to come out because they don't have the parental guidance, uh, and, and even that is an economic factor because maybe the mother has to work too for financially and just see how much more that's going to go on with this inflation which is again a, 
you know, dishonest, evil, uh, deceptive system that rewards the rich and makes the poor poorer, yeah. and that's adding to uh, our, our chaos as well. Remember Jeff Dice at Mises when he talked at our conference, he said that inflationism is terrorism, state-sponsored terrorism, and I think that's, yeah. that's not overstating it. Well, speaking of violence, let's look, uh, do a little quick thing on California, which I'd be happy to never go back to again, even though I grew up there. This is Michael Snyder via the Economic Collapse blog via Zero Hedge. Violence in California reaches epidemic levels as our society rapidly deteriorates all around us. Let's do the next clip because here is a quote from it. He says, Golden State is losing its luster. <clears throat> a troubling new report labels physical and sexual violence in pandemic era California a statewide epidemic. According to a new annual report from the California Study on Violent Experiences Across the Lifespan, violence statistics have seen a significant increase since COVID-19 emerged. The report conducted by scientists at the University of California San Diego School of Medicine reports that one in six Californians, 18% have experienced either physical or sexual violence in just the past year. That is hard to believe, that number. Well, this is representing the fact that people believe that it's to their benefit who promote these things, that, that violence is a tool. And the, you know, the socialists, Marxists, all, they do. They can't live without the violence of it. But there's all forms of this violence, too. You know, they, they talk about the violence that, uh, uh, that the people have to resist to. But to, to have, you know, get the government out of our way, you have to have a couple principles. Yeah. You probably don't need many more. Like I said in my, in my reading now, there were a couple principles. Our Ten Commandments have, you know, that was early on and they were pretty basic, you know, on what the rules would be. And that was a long time. And that came theoretically, you know, probably, you know, not from the government itself, you know, but, uh, for if you do this, people always tell me, ah, oh, if you do that, you didn't have the Fed and you didn't have this, that'd be just total chaos. And I said, yeah, but do you, is there any chaos now? Show them a picture of uh, the streets of San Francisco, oh, yeah. you know, and, and that's chaos. But wh how, how can, what will happen if we have a lot less policing by government? Well, maybe uh, there would be individual policing if they had a moral principle. So uh, the only way it would work, and I was looking at all the quotes. I used to think it was just, uh, you know, uh, probably Franklin and Washington made the quotes about, you, you know, the, uh, a moral society. You can't run, you can't use this constitution if you don't have a moral society. And uh, that's the same way with freedom, uh, you know, outside of the parameters, because if, if the people aren't at the point where, you know what, the one thing that I'm not allowed to do and one thing that the people have to stop doing is I can never aggress against another person and have a pretty good understanding of what aggression means. The government turns that around. Yeah. Oh, you know, sanctions, that's not aggression. You know, a controlling trade, uh, you know, running a counterfeit operation and writing thousands of regulations and taking over the medical system. That's all. Oh, that's not, not aggression. As individuals, aggression can be pretty well uh, defined. It, it, think of what a society would be like if you had no aggression, you wouldn't have counterfeit money. It wouldn't be allowed to do this. And uh, no, it would never be perfect. But if you were moving in that direction, uh, believe me, uh, 
what I tell people when they challenge me on it, I said, well, what if we got rid of the income tax uh, and uh, also made sure that we had honest money? Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So uh, we'd ha have to get people to understand that easy, using force to have their way, have their way in social matters, religious matters, economic matters, or our government and foreign matters. Yeah. yeah you know, the world uh, would make some progress. Maybe we would, maybe we would be moving in the direction of civilization <laughs> rather than away. This kind of stuff that we're talking about today, unfortunately, I see this as stepping back from civilization and something has to be done because I do, I do believe that the resumption of the improvement of civilization is possible. It's, it's been pretty steady over the years since the time of the enlightenment. People moved in the direction of, uh, of using their liberties and things have improved in spite of the fact that so much is done. It's always a good and bad thing. You develop uh, a nuclear power and you can do, obliterate the world or you could light up the world and take care of the world. So there's all, that, that exists and that's a, that's a principle that uh, people have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of nuclear power and blowing up the world, <laughs> the last thing I'm going to talk about a little bit, just briefly, is Biden's speech to the UN General Assembly yesterday, where he made the point that Russia is bad because you can't take a country's territory by force. And while there is something to that, the rest of the world listened to him say that with their jaws hitting the ground, because that literally is America's foreign policy in one sentence. And let's listen to a little bit of what Biden said at the UN so you can get a sense of, uh, of how, he, how he put it. If we can do that video clip, that second to last. Here we go, there's Joe. Like you, the United States wants this war to end on just terms, on terms we all signed up for, that you cannot seize a nation's territory by force. That the only country standing in the way of that is Russia. So we, each of us in this body, who determined to uphold. I think the that's that's all we need to see. You can't attack. You can't use force on other countries. Well, here's the same Biden. A few years before that, let's put on that that last clip, audio clip. Here's the unless there's a body double. This is the same Biden that we remember so well. Play that last one. Here we go. Here's Joe. Hey, Joe. Different. I'm just wanting to know what you suggest because back then when I was in your position I was suggesting we bomb Belgrade. I was suggesting that we send American pilots in and blow up all the bridges on the Drina. I was suggesting we take out his oil supplies. I was suggesting very specific action. And isn't it interesting that we different? And they think that the rest of the world doesn't notice this. And also uh, when he was vice president of course we're still occupying a third of Syria in stealing their oil. Yeah. So that's okay, I guess. It's, and it is done by intimidation if it isn't with the troops on the ground. But uh, no, we use it and we've been in a, a power position, but that's what's coming, that's what's happening, it's coming to an end. And that is we have control of the reserve currency of the world. There's a challenge there. How about our foreign policy? It doesn't seem to be all that successful, but uh, he, he doesn't want to use power. But look at our government. See, the first thing is, is uh, I, I think our, 
obligation more as citizens of a country or as a member of Congress. We should be dealing with, you know, what we're doing wrong and rather than saying, oh, well, what we need to concentrate now or making sure that the workforce is fairly treated in China. You know, it's impractical and it doesn't fall under the authority and it, it won't, won't work. But uh, there, there are people that, uh, you know, a coup is a force. Yet you, you, nobody even knows about it, basically, except our viewers, of yeah, course. Of course. <laughs> about 2014, you know, how, how we were getting involved in that. And, uh, and, and, and then there's the intimidations and the threats and, and the denial of the use of funds and the you know, every once in a while we'll give back some money that we had <laughs> locked down, and the people are told, "Why are we subsidizing this country?" Oh, because we stole it from them ten years ago, and we're just giving them back a little bit of it. So it's a uh, it's a mess. That that that's what needs canceled—a policy like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of canceled, I'm going to close out if we're done, Dr. Paul, with put up that next clip. Again, a reference to our conference in November. Shut up, cancel culture, and the war on speech. And I'm going to make an announcement today, Dr. Paul, because we just heard back from someone who's going to be speaking, and I'm very excited about his appearance. And I think Texans will especially uh, know this name, but he's certainly very, very well known, and that's Del Bigtree. Um, Del Bigtree is a filmmaker, a film producer. He is a, uh, he's a commentator. He has a talk show, extremely well known. He made the film Vaxxed, which was a, which was a big film. People are talking about it a lot. And we're not necessarily having him to talk about his views on vaccines and what have you, or COVID, but because he was canceled from most of social media, because at the time he was challenging the narrative, the approved government narrative on COVID. Well, it turns out he was pretty right on basically most of the stuff he was saying, but he was canceled in silence and you couldn't talk to him. So we're going to hear about his experiences about being canceled uh, by the medical establishment and by the government. So. Del Bigtree will be with us on November 5th, and he'll give a talk at our conference in Lake Jackson. I'll put a link in here for you to get your tickets. You're not going to want to miss this. Dr. Paul? Very good. I'll be looking forward to that. I believe uh, we shared a program one time. Yeah. I was on his program. So th this is very neat that uh, we will be seeing him at our, our conference. And I'll be anxious to see uh, more of our supporters there. And uh, I'm very pleased in the way things are going in spite of uh, the direction. And today I was a little more upset than usual, but maybe a little bit of that is uh, justified because I think it's necessary that we pay attention. And I want to always narrow down to the basic problem and uh, what, what is the principle you're violating. A lot of people say, well, Ron, we have this bill here and, and, uh, and they, uh, we want to, you know, what we've done is it was, was $100 billion and we cut off $1 billion and uh, so we want you to vote for it because it's less than it would have been. And, and I don't buy into that, even if it's down to a small percentage. I tell, told people who argue with me that, I said, if you have a bill and they say well, only 5% of this is giveaways to special interests. Oh, 5%. Well, let's see. 5% a year. How long does it take to eliminate, you know, a person's freedom? You know, it, that's, that's what they put up. It has to be the principle. It'll never work out that way. There's always people who are going to angle and get around it and change it and that sort of thing. But the principle is that authoritarianism and the dictatorship of the ma majority vote, that's where we get into trouble. And uh, they, they live and die, the majoritarian business, that as long as you get 51%, you can do whatever you want. And 
And then they are the same people who just lecture hour after hour about they being the super champions of the Constitution. And yet at the same time, you know, even though they talk about the Constitution, what they do is they build and, and endorse things by through shenanigans and coups and special interests and FBI assistance, that whole thing. So we need a, a lot more honesty in government, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best to present the honesty and uh, economic policy and also moral policy. And I, I believe that's the best we can do. And the only thing as far as I'm concerned that we can do is change people's minds and that will change the world. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.